live in the season, just live in the season, let it teach you the more that you accept that it's not always going to be this way, the less you resent being there. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey, 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 I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan, and Mamas, today on the show, I'm joined by Kendra Adachi, founder of the Lazy Genius Collective and author of the amazing New York Times best-selling book, The Lazy Genius Way. You may remember Kendra from episode 80. She's a systems expert and a professional permission giver, I love that title, who helps others stop doing it all for the sake of doing what matters. And there is no time in your life when we need permission to stop doing it all, like when you become a new mom. So we're going to dig deep today on Kendra's tips for lazy geniusing new motherhood and giving ourselves grace in this major time of transition. As a reminder, these episodes are recorded live on YouTube Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So if you want to have your questions answered on the show, be sure to subscribe to the Smart Money Mama's YouTube channel and join us there. Are you ready? Let's get started. Kendra, how are you? I am so glad that I rechecked the link today because I clicked on the wrong one. <laughs> You're here in perfect timing. Nobody I'm noticed. So glad. <laughs> okay, Kendra, we have to do the I'm check. Great. You're great. Selfie. So good to see you. Like legitimately, I'm so happy to see you. I like you so much. You're such a lovely human. I love happy seeing to you be too. Here with your people. This is fantastic. Did you read Throne of Glass, by the way? Let's start a completely tangent here. I read Throne of Glass. Did you like it? I loved Throne of Glass. <laughs> It's to the point where I was like, all right, listen, I need to not immediately buy book two because then I will <laughs> I will ignore my life. So I haven't even picked up book two yet. Like I'm almost like, I don't think I'm emotionally ready to go into six more books. But I will say, I just if anybody in your audience has read it, because you guys, Chelsea sent me Throne of Glass. She was like, I think you would really like this book and then mailed it to my literal home. And Sebastian Stan is the perfect, K- I don't know how you say his name, Kale? Kale. Kale. Yes. Perfection. <laughs> I think it might be my best book casting ever. Anyway, thank you for bringing that series into my life. I owe you so much. <laughs> Your level of, of self-control to not just jump into the next books is really something I don't have. And for those of you who are wondering, Kendra was trying to write her second book in a very short period of time, right around the holidays, which is why she needed a care package of lovely books. <laughs> You are so kind to me. You're like, hey, listen, I think you might be having a hard time here. Here's some things to make your life better. It was so lovely. All right, Kendra. For those of us who don't know you and aren't mailing you things, tell us a little bit about yourself. (laughs) And aren't mailing you things. That was my favorite sentence ever. Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Kendra Adachi. I am the founder of the Lazy Genius Collective. I host the Lazy Genius Podcast. I have a book called The Lazy Genius Way. I'm the Lazy Genius on Instagram. It's just, that's what it is. And what I hope to do is to help people be a genius about the things that matter and then lazy about the things that don't. To them, to you, to me, because we all have different things that matter to us. We cannot possibly have everything matter and we're not going to have the same list. And so it doesn't make sense for me to tell you how to live your life when I don't know what matters to you. So uh, I help people name what matters and then give them some like principles and tools on how to kind of build systems around that that can support it. Mm -hmm. And I live in North Carolina in the like three miles from the hospital I was born in, (laughs) lived here my whole life. And I'm married to my husband of almost 19 years and we have three kids, no pets and a robust streaming service subscription (laughs) situation. As we are all in this place. My husband the other day was like, is there a way to bundle all our streaming services? And then he was like, cable. Cable would be what we're looking for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what that's called. So Kendra, I feel like there was a point in my life where I knew kind of what mattered to me and I had my systems and then I got Mm -hmm. pregnant and my life just got turned upside down. Yeah. Does that resonate for you at all? Oh, no. (laughs) No, Kendra's had it completely organized forever. I don't know what you're talking about. Babies don't change anything. Okay. So as we're, for the people that are in this transition, so this season we're focused all on new moms and new motherhood. So people who are in the season, they're expecting their first baby. What advice do you have on lazy geniusing this period of our lives? Yeah. All right. So in the lazy genius way, there are 13 principles. Again, I'm not going to give you rules. Uh, These are principles to apply to whatever your situation is. 
And I think that the two, maybe three principles that feel like they're just like screaming new motherhood (laughs) are number one, to live in the season, (laughs) which might feel like a cop out. And you're like, "Uh, Kendra, this is not helpful. But it's because you guys, when you have a new baby, like you can't get out of having a new baby. You can't like manufacture an an easy transition into having another human who depends on you to not just remain alive in the beginning, but then you have to teach them how to be a person. That's also very difficult. And so it's kind of like to try and think that it's always going to be easy is a losing battle. And then it makes you feel like you're doing everything wrong because you're like, why is this so hard? It's hard because having a baby is hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard because being a new mom is hard. It's a season of difficulty. It is. It just is. I mean, I am pouring cold water on what was a happy flower. And then this flower is very sad. And it's like, why are you drowning me in this? But it's sort of the deal. But what happens is on the other side of that, when you're like, okay, This is a season. This is a season. It's not always going to be this way. And at the same time, every season, even the most difficult ones have a lot of beauty in them, right? They have the, I mean, you're having a baby, presumably because you would like to have a baby. You love this human. Like there's so many amazing things, you know, the the first time they laugh and like all the things that people say, or you could be like a mom. I want to give permission right now. You could be a mom like me who like doesn't really care for babies or like this baby stage. I'm like, Mm. once they're like five, I'm kind of good to go. But before then, I'm like, how much longer? So just to also normalize that like not even every stage of being a mother feels like the same kind of season. Mm. And so just living in that season of new motherhood is very hard. It might feel even more difficult for some of you because you just... You don't thrive in the baby stage as much as you wish you did. Everybody else is like, we're having so much joy. And I remember meeting Chelsea. I met, I was talking to a group of moms in my neighborhood, in my old neighborhood. We moved out of that neighborhood because, well, it doesn't matter, but I wasn't clicking with them. It wasn't working Mm. very well. They would go inside when I would walk down the street. Like it was a whole thing. Oh boy. And I think I'm like reasonably pleasant. So I'm not quite sure what I did. It could have been this particular situation actually that I'm about to tell you. But I was like, uh, we came out of winter. My oldest was born in November. I had been isolated and it was very hard. He slept for no more than 15 minutes at a time. I'm not exaggerating that, but it's not hyperbole. And uh, so I was taking him in the stroller and it was like March and it was the sun was shining and there were humans down the street. And I was like, human people. And I went up and introduced myself and hi. And they're like, oh, he's so cute. He's so tiny. And you're a new mom and the things that people say. And one of them said, don't you just love being a mother? (laughs) And I said, no, I don't. (laughs) And they were like. Honesty here is really just. And I was like, I mean, and I didn't know that that was like maybe a shocking thing to say. It wasn't to me. I was just, I'm a very like candid person. And I was like, I don't, what did I do? What did I do? One woman said, I have never heard anyone say that before. And I said, well, then everyone is lying. (laughs) So you just doubled down on this conversation. Doubled down. (laughs) Maybe that's why they went running when I came. Because they were like, this girl. I don't think she's a safe place. (laughs) She is too honest. So anyway, all that to say, this is such a long answer to your question. Live in the season. Just live in the season. Let it teach you. The more that you accept that it's not always going to be this way, the less you resent being there. Mm. It's not that you're like ignoring the emotion of it. You know, it's not that you're like, everything's fine and like white knuckling your way through it. But also on the other side, it's not that you are letting sort of the difficulty of that season run the show and be in charge. It just gives you some perspective. And then the other principle that I would bring out that I feel like is so important is to let people in, let people in, let people in. If you are a new mom and let's say you don't have an in-person support system, you don't have parents that are close by, maybe you're in a new city. I think about people who have moved to a new city during the pandemic and they literally don't have anybody because nothing was open. So maybe you're in a new place or you just don't have a support system. Hopefully you have friends, you have extended family members who don't live with you in your city or whatever, and that you can say, hello, everyone. Or you can ask someone else to do this for you. You know, you can ask a family member or friend to do this for you, to be your liaison and to be like, hey, let's all send restaurant gift cards to this new mom. You know, like if you don't have people in person to do a meal train, you, 
you can get fed other ways, you know, like to let people into your needs. Never say no when someone offers you help. Like, don't say no. If you're having a great day and someone's like, let me watch your kid. You're like, well, I'm doing fine. No, no, Don't say no. Like, <laughs> usually I don't give rules or like ultimatums or, you know, prescriptive things. But I feel like that's one that's like pretty close. Yeah. Don't say no when someone offers you to help help you, especially in the first hmm. year or two of being a mom, unless you don't trust them. I mean, that's a different story, but <laughs> so let people in and live in the season are the two principles that I think are the most important right now. Okay. I got two follow-up questions for you. The first is living in the season mm-hmm. because your story is exactly what I wanted to ask, which is about toxic positivity when it comes to new motherhood, because like, not rule my eyes bigger <laughs> at toxic positivity because, okay. New motherhood is really freaking hard for me, right? Like yeah. I had postpartum depression. I had this like big goal. I'm going to be completely honest. I had a big goal. I was going to nurse both my kids for a whole year. Mm. Neither of my kids would nurse like mm-hmm. at all. Like it was just a, a torture situation mm-hmm. until we finally stopped it. Yeah. And then that was a whole guilt around that. Right? right. And so there's just people in your life and you run into them and they're like, Oh, enjoy every moment. <laughs> this is just the best season of your life. And you're sitting there and like, I could totally see how you would just say to people, I'm not, I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> I actually had a thought at one point that I was going to start while I had children, I was going to be like an entrepreneur and like start a business, which I actually did ironically, but um, to start a different one where I just made like snarky and I really try to avoid being snarky because I don't want to bring a lot of snarky energy into the world. It's very easy for me to do. But when you're being told to enjoy every moment by mm-hmm. people who haven't had children mm-hmm. for 20 years or don't know you or whatever, it's so devastating. It's hurtful. It feels dismissive. It's like, are you kidding me? Like this Mm -hmm. moment sucks. Like, Please don't make me enjoy this. It's so hard. And I actually had the thought of like starting a t-shirt company and the t-shirt just said, I am not enjoying every moment. (laughs) Just to flash it at people in Target. No. To scare more of your neighbors away. Yes, yes. I'm not making a good case for myself as being somebody that you want to be friends with. But no, my point is, and see, that's the thing too, is if I may just sort of put a finer point on that, is that when we are toxically positive Mm. about someone else's situation, what we're doing is not only are we dismissing the real challenges that they are experiencing that do not feel positive at all, we are also pushing them deeper into the negativity they might retreat or get angry like I would. And so talk about doubling down. It's like the reverse. It's the exact opposite of what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. which is to encourage or whatever. But really it's making that person go, what do you want from me? Yeah. Like, what do I have to do? It's so f- deeply frustrating. And so I think that we give each other permission to be okay when we say it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of brings everything back to the center as opposed to pushing things like to the extreme. I totally agree. And I also think that like we should we can put a point on too. There are moments of joy in this period. And some people thrive in the new baby period. I have friends who just like love totally. the newborn stage. I was not that person. I was like, this kid is a potato. When at what point are we going to be like further along in this journey? But some people do. And there are moments that you enjoy it. But like when you think about postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, when everyone's saying that it's supposed to be fun and beautiful and easy. For me, I was 100% like, there's something wrong with me. And it prevented me from getting help exactly like what you said, pushing people deeper. And so just being honest and finding a circle you can be honest with, I feel like is so important. Yes. Agreed. And then your second point was about letting help in and letting people help. Yeah. Let people in. Yes. You had a follow-up question about that. I have a follow-up question because the the flip side of this is what about like well-meaning friends and family that are just helping in all the wrong ways, right? Like <laughs> you're just like, the kid is finally sleeping on me and they're like, I'll hold them while you, you go do the laundry. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't want to do the laundry. I want you to do the laundry and me to cuddle this moment that the kid is actually mm-hmm, sleeping. Mm-hmm. How do you set those boundaries with people who are trying to help and have really good intentions, but maybe you're just pushing your buttons? Yes, it's such a good question. And I wonder if my answer is going to be kind of annoying, but it is simply to say what you just said. Yeah. Like it's to say, if someone says, oh, let me take the baby and you can go take a shower or whatever. And to say, I'm actually really happy right here. Thank you though. Like to acknowledge the fact that they're wanting to help you and say, thank you. That's so sweet of you to think about me. And you're right. I am very dirty, (laughs) but I'm really enjoying this right now. And I also don't want to wake her up or whatever. And if that person goes in again, that often can happen too. Because you said it very well. It's well-meaning 
like people are well-meaning. They're not doing this mm-hmm. to be rude. And if that's the case, then that's sort of a different conversation. It's a different set of boundaries yeah. that you need to set even stronger to be like, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I'm actually good here, you know, like to be yeah. firmer or whatever. But it's still true that we want to be grateful even for the wrong help. You know, we're grateful for the posture towards us mm-hmm. and to say like, that's so kind. Thank you. Like that, that's so kind. I'm actually really good right here, but thank you. And if you want to take it a step further to be like, hey, listen, if you'd really like to help me, would you go wash the sink of dishes in my kitchen? <laughs> I know that's not fun, but that would be amazing. Yeah. And I realize that that can also be kind of risky, especially in the beginning and depending on the relationship. Like if it is a, you know, mm-hmm. more of a passive aggressive family member and they're like, okay. You know, either you can choose. You're like, all right, I'm willing to deal with this passive aggression to get my dishes clean mm-hmm. because it's okay for me to ask for that. But if you're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to deal with that, don't ask them again. Just next time, stop at the thank you for your help. I'm good here. Acknowledging mm-hmm. that they want to help and naming your own needs. You don't have to let them help at the expense of your own needs. Don't do that. Yes, absolutely. Another new baby thing is that our house gets filled with stuff, all the stuff, all the registries, all the stuff. And so when we're thinking about before the baby comes, right, when we're supposed to be setting up registries and baby showers and nurseries, how do we lazy genius that? How do we figure out what matters to us when we've never had a kid before? So we don't actually know what's going to work and not work. It's so true. And I think I want to acknowledge, too, that there are some ways to make this easier, but like there's not a right and wrong answer here. Yeah. So you're not doing it wrong. If you're like, I'm going to miss something. Well, you can go to Target and get it. And that's really part of the answer is if you are, you know, generalizing, but let's say you make a registry yeah, and you're like, do I need this thing? I don't really know if I need this thing. And you decide not to get the thing. Three months later, you end up needing the thing. What we do is we're like, I'm so stupid. I should have gotten the thing rather than being like, I'm going to take one of these 25 Target gift cards that I was given by all these people. I'm going to go get the thing. Like it doesn't have to be, I think sometimes we make those decisions like uh, that they have some sort of like moral value on our identity. Yes. (laughs) I can't believe I didn't get the bottle warmer. And you're like, and it's understandable because guess what? When you are sleep deprived and you're in a stressful season and you are just trying to survive, I learned this from a therapist recently that your brain actually is diverting resources from your prefrontal cortex, which is the thing that is making the rational decisions and is like understanding the knowledge that you have in your brain. And it's going, you know what? We don't, we can't do this right now. We're going to go back here to the part of my brain that feels like, oh, every, we're all dying. The lizard brain. Yeah. And so it's almost, we can't even make those rational choices because we're freaking out so much. So it's kind of like, it makes sense that you cry because you didn't buy the bottle warmer. It makes sense. Of course, you're going to cry because you didn't buy it. But once you take a deep breath Mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, I'm going to go get a bottle warmer. The thing that I would say is a registry is an opportunity for you to name what matters, right? And it's not just like clicking randomly at things because then what happens is you get all that stuff and you have to find a place to put it. Yeah. And then you're like, I don't use that. And basically you're just setting yourself up for a future yard sale if you don't think about it now. Mm -hmm. So maybe just think a little bit extra about it now. And the way that you can do that is to go, okay, what could matter? What could? Like just brain dump all the things. And then from that list go, okay, what does, what actually does matter to me? So like aesthetics, function, that everything matches, that it can go in the dishwasher, that it's gender neutral, that it's very pink, that it's like any of the things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that it's all homemade, that it's small business, that it, like all these different things. What could matter about the stuff that you buy? Yeah. And then name, okay, what does? What does? Narrow it down to like the few things. Yeah. It's just process of elimination. It's so helpful when you see it together to go like, oh no, I do value this more than I value this. Mm. It doesn't mean this thing is not valuable. It just means this one matters more. Yes. And then try to, from those few, just to go, okay, what matters most? So that... When it comes time, when you're in Target and you got the little clicker and you are confronted with two equally excellent crib mattress pads, you know, this matters most. And this one supports that more. Click. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, you can kind of do that. Or like, do I need this? Does this support what matters? Or does this support the fifth thing on my list? Yeah. If it supports the fifth thing, eh, let's wait till we know that we need it. 
Yeah, in our new mama money plan, which is like where we help people make a budget and money plan before having a baby, we tell them first, like identify your values, figure out what your family's values are, and then buy in alignment with that. One of the things that I learned, so I made my registry the first time when we were having Henry, and my mom came back and she's like, there's not enough things on here. People are coming to the baby shower. There's not enough things for them. And I had that problem. And then she made me add a whole bunch more stuff. Oh, no. And in, in retrospect, the correct yeah. answer would have been like gift cards mm-hmm. or something else instead of adding stuff because we have a picture somewhere that I do not want to see public eye of the amount of stuff that never got opened that then we yeah. gave away. or And that was disappointing. It happens. And not that like registering for the whole store is bad. No. Like if you want to be, and I know that's not what you're saying. It's kind of like, I think that that's another thing too, is that when we're making our priorities, we sort of are thinking, well, isn't this the thing that I'm supposed to care about the most? Like, aren't I, I'm supposed to simplify, right? I'm supposed to have less stuff. Mm. But like, what if you have space? Maybe you have like a huge family and maybe you've got places to put those things and you also are somebody that you really like to be prepared or something. Like, it's okay for you to have more than you maybe need or to be like super prepared in that. I think that there was a, a lot of pressure for me when Annie, my third one was born. She's five now. When she was born, I was very into like all of her clothes were going to be very neutral. I was basically dressing her like me minus the shirt. This is like the only pink shirt I own. I can't even believe I'm wearing it today. It's a very special day. We have it's a very special day. Yes. It's <laughs> the only, I actually walked out of my room wearing it. And my daughter was like, mommy, you look so pretty. Like she, anytime I wear a dress or a color, She's dumbfounded. Like it happened so last week. I wore a dress. My kids were like, where are you where going? Are you- <laughs> what is happening? So anyway, all I had to say, I was like, I named something that mattered to me, which was I wanted her clothes to be like very gender neutral and also like just neutral in general. Mm. And turns out that child was not a year old before she was like, I'm sorry, I'm not wearing these clothes. Like give me everything pink, everything sparkle. I like <laughs> actively tried to not. I had reasons for that, that I have since changed and I'm really glad that she's taught me a lot about the spectrum of femininity. Like Mm -hmm. I was kind of equated pink and sparkles with weakness Yeah, in the same way that a lot of us conflate like being orderly with being fake and being messy and chaotic with being real. None of those things are true. And so Annie has taught me a lot about that. All that to say, it was like that mattered then. And then it shifted, like things shift. And so like getting eco-friendly toys, that might be really important to you. But if it's not, it's okay to get like all bright colored plastic things. Like you get to decide what matters to you just because other people choose differently doesn't mean that your choice is wrong. And this brings up something that so many of us struggle with, which is mommy wars and judgment, right? Part of the reason that we stand in Target thinking that we need to buy the thing is either because we're expecting judgment from somebody else, or we've seen 15 advertisements that tell us we're a bad parent if our kid doesn't have this thing. Totally. And so look, somebody in the comments just said sparkles are badass. And I agree. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Approve that sentence. And so what are your thoughts on overcoming some of this mommy war stuff that we see happening? Gosh, it's so hard. It's so hard, you guys. It's like, I moved out of the neighborhood. (laughs) Sold my house and moved. I literally sold my house and moved because I didn't know how to handle it. Mm. And I think it's also fair to name that you're being asked to navigate one of the most challenging kind of adult relationship contexts, I think. Yeah. As a new mom who is sleep deprived, who is possibly dealing with postpartum depression, who has all kinds of like having is having to come to terms with a new body, with a new routine, with a new everything, a new life. And so it's kind of a big ask to be like, all right, how are you going to like beast the mommy wars? Like you don't have to solve the mommy wars. We're we're not going to do that as like individuals in the way that we think. Like it's not some grand machine you have to build. I think that what we can do is when you are in an interaction that feels dishonoring to you or to the people that you're with, even if you disagree with them, when you are like honoring the humanity in each other, and you see someone intentionally or unintentionally dishonoring the humanity in another mom because of her choice, you get to decide in that moment. And it could be a different choice every time, depending on how awake you are, what your hormones are like, how quickly you have to leave or not. Like there are lots of factors that could go into it. But to say what matters right now 
Is it that I say something? Is it that I recognize that that's not how I want to be when I'm around people, but I'm not going to say anything right now because I just don't have the margin to deal with what might come out on the other end? You know, like to just to say in the situations, yeah, that's the singular one when you feel like someone is being disrespectful. Are you going to speak into it? And I think that the speaking into it, it is deeply informed by the compassion that you have for the person who is speaking. Mm. So if you, as you hear, I think we've all been in the situation and might've been the one in this situation. A lot of times those judgments from other moms or from us come from such a deep place of insecurity. Yes. Like that's what it is. People who are unkind in their assessment of other moms who are making different choices are desperately terrified that their choices are wrong. I mean, that's almost exclusively where it comes from. So if you can lead, even in the thinking of that person, before you decide to say anything or not with compassion and go, oh, I think she's probably really insecure about her choices. And I don't want to slam her for something that's really coming from like a deep broken place. And so to say something like, I'm trying to think of a specific example, but if someone is like, I would never do that. You know, like a mom says about another mom, I would never do that. You could say something like, you know, there are several things that I said I would never do. And it turns out I've started to do them. Like, (laughs) it's just wild how motherhood changes you. I wonder if that mom thought the same thing before she had the kid that she would never do that. But things have, you know, like just sort of giving space and permission. It's not attacking. It's not, it's not like, how dare you say that? Like, sometimes that's appropriate. Like sometimes there are situations Mm. where it's like, no, no, you call that out and you call that person in and you say, that's, that's not an acceptable way to be, or you do that separately if it's a group or, you know, whatever it is, there's basically, there's no one answer. There's no one way. There's no one approach because every interaction has so many variables to it. But I think the point is to lead with compassion and remember kind of the truth of the difficulty of motherhood, even for moms who are acting like they've got it all together and they know the answers and all that kind of stuff. They don't, they're terrified. They're terrified. Every single one of them is terrified. Mm -hmm. That just really helps frame how you respond and then giving your permission, yourself permission to not respond if you just, if it's not the right time to do that, that's okay too. You don't have to, you don't have to be superwoman all the time. You don't have to change mommy wars single-handedly. And I think before that too, deciding whether you're going to speak into it is just first building that habit of like, you decide what you let in, right? Like their expectations, their comments aren't actually about you. It's about them and about their beliefs. And we have Katie in the comments here saying there's so much insecurity in the new identity as a new mom, which leads to seeking approval or for her over-researching, which can lead to over-buying, which 100% is a very common thing Mm -hmm. because she sends good moms have, you know, quote this thing. Katie Jumper. Katie Jumper's so nice. <laughs> She's in the Lazy Genius community a lot too. She's always so kind. Lovely. Yes. Welcome, Katie. Mamas, in just a minute, we're going to switch over to taking questions directly from you guys. So start dropping your questions for Kendra or for me in the comments. But before we do that, I got one more question for you, Kendra, which is how do we prioritize self-care as a new mom? <sighs> because you just like don't have any time. <laughs> how are you taking care of yourself? No, you really don't. What you just said is that you can't do everything. It's just sort of a different ball game. And to ex- it's sort of like what I said earlier on with a different question, like to sort of expect it, like, I'm, I'm going to always find time to like, you're probably not. And so we got to start real small. That's a lazy genius principle. It's lazy genius principle number two. If you got to start really, really small about what it means to take care of yourself in a hard season. A couple of things I would say are, I encourage you to find a way to feel like yourself every day. The smallest thing, like what just makes you smile, what makes you come alive. Like it could be watching Jimmy Fallon do something stupid on YouTube. It could be reading. It could be sitting outside. It could be listening to music. It could be smelling a candle that you like. It could be, I mean, it could be any number of things. But to now name like even write them down to make a list. The number of times I'm like, I'll remember that. I know what I, mm-hmm. I know what makes me feel like myself. I know what I like. <laughs> no, that's another thing motherhood changes is that your brain breaks in half and you're like, I don't know, what are we doing here? Like what, you forget everything. So um, I think even sort of just like writing it down somewhere, like putting it in your your notes app and your phone and be like, all right, what it like thoughtfully going, like what makes me come alive? What makes me feel like myself even for a moment and try to think of things 
you know, like you could say, I love walking on the beach. Well, if you live in Wyoming, that's not something you can tap into every day. So to try to think about things that you can access daily, even if it's one thing and try and do that for even a moment, like a song, like three minutes, five minutes Mm -hmm. every day to go like, I am me. (laughs) I am a mother, but I'm also me. Isn't that the thing? I get this question all the time and I'm sure you do too. It's where you're like, I don't know who I am anymore. Like you lose yourself. It's so easy to lose yourself in motherhood. And to reframe that is it's not that you're losing yourself. You just haven't been paying attention to that part of you that isn't a mom for a Mm. long time. And so if you can pay attention to her daily as much as you can, even in those like small bites, it's sort of like it keeps you connected to that part of yourself. And as you your life stages change and you have a newborn and you move to a three month old, you like you keep moving on and your time starts to shift a little bit and stretch. You are not so disconnected from who you are that when you have an afternoon, you're like, I don't even like how many times were you given an afternoon without children in the early days? And you just sat there paralyzed. Like, I don't, Oh yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. Well, and when you aren't practicing self-care, right? Because there might be a list of, even when you know, hey, I would really enjoy going to sit and read a book for two hours, you spend the first hour going, but I also need to do the laundry and the dishes and the house is kind of a mess. And (laughs) then you feel guilty that you wasted the hour. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's 15 minutes before everybody gets home. Yes. Can we just like give everyone permission right now to be like, you're going to have a messy house for six months. Like it's just going to be messy. at At least. Yeah, exactly. At least. Like don't expect anything. Don't expect any sort of like rhythm or how do I get back to a cleaning routine? How do I get back? There's no getting back right now. There's just not. So sort of expecting like, I was actually thinking about like things to prioritize because it is, you want to prioritize yourself. But I would also think about prioritizing meals. Even the simplest, that's what letting people in, helping people feed you. Always say yes when someone offers to bring you food, even if it's food that you don't like super love. Like it's something, you know, but meals and like an anchor, a daily anchor, like I just said, and then fun. I think that we lose the fun when we're in the trenches of new momness. And so to like laugh, like try to prioritize Mm -hmm. those things that are life-giving that make you feel like yourself. That might be an important thing to say, because I know that you say this too, that like self-care is not the same for everyone. Like, what does that even mean? It's doing something that makes you feel like yourself. So just do what makes you feel like yourself as much as you're able, as often as you're able. So when I was a new mom, I was thinking Hank was like five weeks old. One of my friends brought over a copy of the book Outlander, which I hadn't read before. And she was like, I know you love to read and you're not reading, like start this book. And I read that whole series on my maternity leave. And it like was my thing that I got to connect to myself when he was up in the middle of the night. I could sit and read my book with him on my chest, right? Totally. And so you've had three kids. Yes. How did self-care look different as you like became a more experienced mom in those early seasons? Mm, I definitely was like so much more willing to accept help at the end, mm-hmm. like with the third. First, I was like, I could do this. I can do this. It's There, there are two grownups. There's just one baby. We can figure this out. <laughs> and it was like a crash course in, oh, no, you you can't, like you can't do this Mm. on your own or in the way you think you're supposed to or any of that. And that was a lot of the heaviness was like, there's one way to raise a baby. Mm -hmm. And then it was sort of like you, when you were saying about the breastfeeding where it's like, oh no, I can't, like I eventually was able to breastfeed, but I had to go to, uh, what are they called? Lactation lactation specialist, you know, went to lactation like constantly and had the little Mm-hmm. the little tube that you tape on and, you know, try with the formula and all the thing, many things I'm sure you tried. And we like, after I think it was four months, I finally was able to nurse him. And I think that if I had given myself more permission and not have told myself like, oh no, this is what you're supposed to do. It was the hardest. It was so aggressively hard to be a mom to a new baby and to like do the regular feedings every two to three hours. But then I'm also supposed to pump and do that thing. I mean, I just felt I was just always naked. Like it was so, I felt so unlike myself. I felt so untethered to myself. And I think that if I had had more of a third, (laughs) a third baby vibe within me and more therapy under my belt, it would have been like, no, you can, 
it's okay for you to stop this. You're not a bad mom because mm-hmm. you pick formula. Like, no, it's, it's, it's such a sad thing to me that there are so many things that are under our mental lists of bad mom. Like what makes you a bad mom? It breaks my heart because there, there just isn't one like other than the obvious like neglect. But I'm guessing that if you're on a YouTube live with Chelsea of Smart Money Mamas, you're probably not neglecting your children in a way that you're just not. We just have to be kinder to ourselves about it. There's no right or wrong way. You're doing you're doing great. You're doing great. I wish I had known that when I had one baby instead of three. <laughs> I wish I had known that as well. It would, and it, it, I think that's part of like, no matter how many times people tell you that, I think part of it is you're going to go through that season, right? Where mm-hmm. you're you're trying, you're just trying over and above what anyone would reasonably expect of you, and what you would expect of your friends, right? If totally. you saw your friends going through it, you'd be like, "Could you just stop? Like, <laughs> just the, everybody's fine. Everybody's fine." But hopefully, hearing this will let everybody make that season just a little bit shorter. Yeah. Uh, Colleen said that was me with my firstborn. I wish I had done formula sooner. I was so miserable trying to breastfeed. Yeah. And Colleen. I'll tell you. So we were at a professional lactation consultant two or three times a week. We went, we brought both babies to ear, nose and throat doctors. One of them had his lip tie cut, like all the things. And we were, I was pumping, I was up constantly. Right. And I was everybody, our pediatrician was like, you can just switch to formula. Like it's fine. Who was a very breastfeeding positive. It took a family member of ours who is a Vermont midwife. Okay. So hippie midwife who called me and was like, Chelsea, I breastfed both of my boys for two weeks and I gave up because it was too hard and they're fine. And I was like, oh my God, it was just like, I was like, I needed that permission so bad. And I don't like, in retrospect, I wish I could have given it to myself, right? I I Mm -hmm. knew intellectually that they were going to be fine. But yes, this is everybody's permission to do what takes best care of you and, and your baby. And if I may add to that really quickly before you go in, because that feels like a really important thing. You said, I wish I could give myself permission. That's the ideal is that we give ourselves permission. Mm. I am a professional permission giver. Like that's literally in my bio. I mean, I gave myself that title, but <laughs> I still think it's true. Oh, it's very true. And I still crave people to give me permission for things. I will sometimes even ask like people who are like best friends of mine. I'm like, can you tell me this is fine? I know it's fine, but I need someone who isn't me to tell me this is fine. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I think that's good. Like, if it's not coming from within you, if you need validation outside of you, that's incredibly normal. That's not like weak or strange or needy. We need people to help give us permission. Like that's just, I think, part of being connected and being in community and being human. So don't ever feel weird, like literally forcing someone like, will you please tell me that this is fine? I just need to hear it. My ears. (laughs) This is fine. All right, mamas, we have about 15 minutes left for questions with Kendra. So drop your questions in the chat. We have a few questions that got submitted ahead of time on Instagram and elsewhere. So we're going to start with those. Mm-hmm. And the first question is from Gwen, which is, what do you wish you did differently as a new mom? Yeah, I said yes to help more. Yeah. All the kinds. You know what I wish I did? I was someone who dealt with depression and anxiety before we had kids. That's something I dealt with in high school and college for sure. And I wish I had lined up a therapist before we had Mm, kids. It took me a while to get back into therapy. And I think I would have dealt with my postpartum or maybe even avoided it if I had somebody to talk about it with Mm. beforehand. And so, yeah, if you're someone who's struggled with that before, I think having help before you even know you need it Mm -hmm. is just a good thing. Therapy is good for every human. Yeah. (laughs) Every human. You don't have to have like a dark story. No. Being human is hard. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah, it's good. All right. So Marina says, I'm already feeling a lot of anxiety about being a good mom. So every decision has me paralyzed. Mm. Is there anything I can do? Oh my gosh. Can I say therapy? That's terrible, right? (laughs) No. So I think maybe when we're paralyzed, I am not a parenting expert. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. In my own experience, when I'm paralyzed, it comes from a place of being deeply afraid about something. Generally, my something is losing control or doing it wrong. And so it's kind of like, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, like if you if you make this decision wrong, what's the worst thing that can happen? And I think sometimes when we sort of ask that question and we take it to the <laughs> to the farthest end and we're like, well, that's not really that bad. <laughs> like it kind of just helps us sort of back up a little bit. I think maybe even talking, if, if you don't have a therapist or 
even just talking to a trusted friend and saying that thing, like I'm so paralyzed by making the wrong, there's so many decisions and I'm afraid I'm going to make the wrong one. Will you help me put some rationale on this a little bit and help me like, what's the worst that can happen? Like sometimes that has to sort of be done in community a little bit, but it can't be done alone. This is a game I play with my husband, by the way, with my anxiety is the what's the worst that could happen and he makes me talk out what's the worst that could happen and by the end every single time he goes okay but do you right. see how ridiculous that sounds now that it's out of your mouth like what is the likelihood of that thing happening exactly. and it does help it helps the community yeah yes that's a great follow-up question how likely is because <laughs> i can come up with some bad scenarios but they're just not mm. likely not going to happen all right so kate wants to know is there something like a physical thing you can buy that you think would make most moms lives easier and and a tangent to this question that I'll add is, what do you buy? Like, what's your go-to baby shower gift for a new mom? Mm. I love to give whatever's. I'm a registry buyer because they're telling you what they want. So I'm very much like, I'll just do whatever the registry says. I do try to get like something practical and something cute together, you know, like one practical thing and one cute thing. Mm-hmm. But I do think that having something that is movable, like a container for your baby that can move from room to room. So like a little rocker, we had this just like little wooden rocker that had a good bit of movement to it. If you just gave it one little tap or like a little shake or something like that to have your baby with you so that you can like do things. I know that's such a simple thing, but I think there's something about like even feeling like you always have to wear your baby. Like I did, we had a wrap and we like, I don't know what we had. We had one that was like the big, that you had to like get a degree in engineering to wrap it around you and figure out how to make it work. We had one of those. It was great. Yeah, yeah, But even just that kind of permission where it's like, you don't always have to wear your baby. You don't always have to like, the only resting place for your kid doesn't have to be their crib. You know, like just to have Mm -hmm. something that you can take with you, but put your baby down. You need some place to put your baby down. (laughs) What an interesting answer I just gave you, but it's like the most important thing. That's what I'm envisioning. It's like the little thingies that were, it was so great to be like, "Mm, the baby goes here. It was so great. Well, and Lauren, who's here, I know has said like one of her most important things was like, she had a swing downstairs and a swing upstairs. She didn't have to carry it up and down the stairs and she had a place to put her baby. Yes. And one of the like big revelation to me when we only had Henry Uh was that I could just put him on the floor, right? It's okay to lay a blanket on the floor and lay him on the floor. Yes. Second child, less less we're going to do that because the toddler is going to mess with them. But yes, having a place to put your baby down. And the same thing is uh, if you have two floors or if you have just like wide spaces in your house is to have like two diaper changing little stations. You don't have to have like actual stations, but just have a little mat, like a little basket of all the stuff so that you don't have to go up and down stairs. Like the less you have to move to tend to your kid, I think the better, the easier it is. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. This question tacks on to the gifts, which is actually your registry thing. But how do you handle gifts from people who clearly just don't understand what your most important things are? Yes. It's so hot. Like, okay. So there are a couple of versions of this, right? There's the people who give you gifts at like a baby shower, like before the baby comes. Mm. And you're like, I'm not going to, you know. And you say thank you and you hope for a gift receipt and you take it back. I mean, honestly, it's like I just take things back. Now, granted, there are family members or friends usually family members, they'll ask to see the thing. Mm. And so you're like, oh, I, oh no. And so to maybe just say, you know, we loved this about it. You know, like to, again, it's that same thing with the mommy war stuff to validate and affirm the desire and good intentions of this person wanting to give you something that they thought would really, really help you. And for you to be like, thank you for that. You were so thoughtful because I know that this was the thing that you were hoping that that was going to solve and it did. And, but also there were, we just, for what mattered to us um, and what we needed, this one actually suited us a little bit better. And we wanted, we don't have a lot of space and we wanted to make sure we had what worked, but this was like so incredibly kind. You have really great taste, you know, like whatever. So it's, I think it comes down to like affirming verbally to the person because I always want to connect. Like that's always the driving force for everything I do Mm. is I want to stay connected to a person even if I don't know them very well, like it's just about maintaining that connection and seeing the humanity in them. And so if we make it about the gift more than about the person, then we're probably going to hurt the person and also feel guilty and keep the gift. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, we lose both things. <laughs> and then there's also the piece about like, 
once your kids get older, obviously, and like grandparents and family like buy stuff and you don't want a lot of stuff. And I just try and ask specifics and be like, would you get us a Zoom membership? Would you get us a this? Would you get us a that? You know, like we love experiences. We love to do things with you. Like we really don't need any more toys. I know this is so fun, but like we don't need any more toys, but we would love this, you know, like honor their intentions while also being honest about what you need. Yeah, we went with grandparents of, you can buy them whatever toys you want, but they're going to stay at your house. Your house? <laughs> We're lucky. My yep. mom lives close by and we see my in-laws a lot. So that rule isn't like they're yeah. across the country. We never see them, but. No, it works well. There are a lot of pieces to some of those toys. <laughs> I just don't want to keep track of. Oh my gosh, it's so true. I try to think about that when I buy toys for like other kids' birthday parties and stuff. Like what's the least amount of space, the least amount of pieces, like. That's why I usually just get like a gift card for the kid mm-hmm. stuck inside like a stuffed animal or something. <laughs> or like a puzzle. puzzle. You know, we're or all like about the puzzles. Or, game or, something, or books. Like those are things that feel like they're going to last with kids for a little bit longer. Those toy companies and marketing people, like they know what they're doing. They're enticing us. It makes sense that we're like, oh, let's get this thing. And then we get it to our house. And we're like, it doesn't doesn't work here the same as it did in the store. I will say with kids gifts, I love books, especially when you know the kid well enough to like, I like to go into our independent bookstore and be like, I know the kid likes these three things. Mm-hmm. What book are they going to like? Yeah. And let them recommend books. Cause I That's also find cool books for my kids. <laughs> totally. That's a great idea. Awesome. So Kendra, as we wrap up one more question for you, which is lazy geniusing, just your general life as you go back to work, right? Like maternity leave for most people, mm ends and you go back to work, how do you make that transition just a little bit less stressful? Mm. Everything starts with naming what matters. Mm -hmm. And I think that second principle, again, Lacey Jean's principle start small is to not just start small with the choice that you might make, but start small with the time frame you're looking at. Like go, what matters most about this first week? transitioning back to work. What matters most about this first week? And make decisions to support that. So if it is that you really like have plenty of time to connect with your kid who's been in daycare all day, Mm -hmm. then you're going to want dinner to be super simple. You don't plan anything at night. You know, you're not hanging out with anybody or having anybody over maybe that first week. Again, it's just that small window of time. What matters this week or whatever stretch you want to call it or whatever. Yeah. What matters most and then support that. I think if we make it too big, if you think how am I going to how am I going to lazy genius, for example, how people ask me questions, how am I going to lazy genius going back to work? You can't. You can lazy genius your commute. You can lazy genius your connection with your kid when you get home. You can lazy genius what you wear. You can lazy genius the dinners on the nights that you work late or those first couple of weeks as you're getting back into it. Like you have to make your problem smaller, your challenge. You might not, that's another thing is reframing it. I always do that. I always call it problems. And it's like, no, it's a challenge. It's just a challenge. It's not a problem. You're not doing anything wrong. It's not something you have to fix. It's just something that's a little harder than it was before. Mm-hmm. So to even reframe it that way, that like you make your challenges smaller. And if you're like, well, I don't want to have to make a decision about like all of these 10 things that I just smalled, <laughs> pick the one that supports what matters most mm. and then do something with that. So make it smaller, the time, the challenge, the expectation, the solution, make everything smaller. If you make it too big, you're going to be six months into working and you're going to feel like you're failing because you're expecting to get everything right at once. Yep. And that's just not how it goes. <laughs> We're learning all new skills, right? And our kids, this is the other thing too, is they change constantly you think you can put your kid on a system, you can put your life on a system and then things change every time, every single time. So Kendra, (laughs) any last pieces of advice and tell people where they can follow you, where they can buy your book. Yeah. So the book is the lazy genius way. You can get it wherever books are sold, as they say. And the podcast is the lazy. Oh, you have it. She's so cute. (laughs) I actually have many of them over here. There's a couple. That's awesome. I love seeing her in the wild. It's like so fun. It's like no, but it, I mean, it's cute on the outside and it's super helpful on the inside. So um, I think that, and obviously your community like is familiar enough to know this, but I think that like the piece of advice that I would actually give, and I'm not saying this to like get you to buy a book, get it from the library. Like I don't care, is to read the book because I think that of any stage, perhaps this is, yeah, I think it's fair to say that at least top three of any stage of life, that's a transition a stage of life where you really need some permission 
to create a life that matters to you in a way that is sustainable for you as a person is being a new mom. And no set of rules, copying someone else's life, it just doesn't work. Principles do. Mm -hmm. Principles transcend personality and life stage and sleep. Like it, it meets you. There is a principle that will meet you in any of those places. That would be honestly be my piece of advice. If you haven't read it yet, to read it or like get it on audio and listen to it when you're feeding your baby or, you know, like any of that. I just think it's so important to, especially there's the last principle in the book is to be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of practical stuff in there, by the way. There's like so many quick win things. It's not just all like you're doing great, but you have to have both. Yeah. You need somebody to help you like figure out your laundry. And you also need someone to like rub you on the back and telling you, tell you you're doing okay. I kind of joke that I have like kind big sister energy where I just want to be like, every, I want to be the internet's big sister. Just be like, you've got this, you've got this. And also how can we help? You know, like <laughs> that last one to be kind to yourself in this mm-hmm. time. You're doing great. You're not doing it wrong. There is no wrong. Your baby's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And even though it feels hard, don't ignore that it's hard. There is help for if the hard feels too overwhelming. Absolutely. And that's okay. Yeah. Mamas, definitely check out Kendra's book. Go follow her on Instagram and listen to her podcast. She is fantastic. I actually read much of this book out loud to my husband, who was like, kept being like, where was this book five years ago? Like so many strategies in the lazy genius way have been in, in brought into her. Have you told me that? Did I know that? I don't know if I've told you that. I don't know if you told me that. I love that. That is so fun. That's like one of my, I, the reason I'm not sure is because I've actually had several people over the last couple of weeks tell me that their husbands or like their teenage sons are into the book. And it's like my favorite thing ever because I'm here for a life where even though I realize this is smart money mamas, I want us to have like, mamas don't have to do all the things all the time. Like, can we, can we like let the daddies do some things too? (laughs) So I love it when daddies are like, yeah, let's lazy genius that thing. That makes me very happy. Especially you and I are both raising two boys, right? And so we have to yeah. be building that into our lives that we are not yes. doing all the things so that they don't grow up and expect, you know, no their partners to do all the things. Over my <laughs> dead body. I do not <laughs> say that phrase very often, but that is one of them. It's like you are not marrying a woman who is going to think that she's the one who has to take care of you all the time. 100%. No, sir. <laughs> no, sir. On that very strong. I come for my kid. I know. <laughs> on a very strong note. Kendra, thank you so much for joining us. This was fantastic. It was so great. I love being with you, Chelsea. Thanks, everybody. Mamas, it was so amazing to get to chat with Kendra today. As always, there was loads of sage advice and lots of laughs. I think the most important thing to take away into your mama life is to A, name what matters most to you. This is important when it comes to all the decisions you make as a mom, but also in how you use your money as a tool to create the life you want. And B, remember that this is a season. New motherhood brings so much change, so much heart, and so much joy all at once. If you're feeling overwhelmed, you're not doing anything wrong. Every mom has been there and your child is so lucky to have you. I want to thank Kendra again for joining me on the show. You can find links to her book, The Lazy Genius Way, and her website in the show notes at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 115. Keep talking money, mama. I'll see you next time. (laughs) 